0: It's not up yet.
1: Ooh, and as you all can hear, we've got some fierce storms going. Yes, yes, ma'am. Oh, mercy.
2: <clears throat> it's sunny
3: and 90 down here.
1: Oh, is it real? Oh, no. We need to be where you all are. Yeah, where they at now? <laughs> In Nashville. <laughs> All right, well, I don't see it yet uh, up on Facebook, so when it comes up, I will share it. We'll go ahead and get started, though. Um, Let's uh, pray before we begin. Uh, Dear, kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for another Sabbath, another day of life. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to just continue our study in the spirit of prophecy, Lord, And I pray, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit to us as we study, Lord, that we might glean principles of truth, Lord Jesus, and that we might apply these principles to our lives, and that we might be behind others in nothing, Lord Jesus. We praise you and lift up your name, and thank you for this opportunity of study. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay. Oh, here we go. It's up now, so I'm going to share it real quick. Uh...
0: one more. One
4: Okay, all right, there we
1: go. All right, chapter 96. Um did anybody when you read through this chapter, did you have any problems with it?
4: Or questions about it? Well, when I first started, this is the key to Hi everybody. Hello. When I first started reading, I was like, don't don't deal in life insurance. And then I decided it must have been something going on back in the day that I didn't know about mm. so that's what I confused I came in to okay okay
1: anybody else what was your impression
2: well I know when it talked about life insurance it was saying that there are it was taking things away from Christ and I I guess in my mind I said, Maybe it's that people were using the life insurance money instead of returning the faithful tithe and offering to God. And then, you know, then I kind of looked at myself, I said, you know, I'm going to be honest, I have life insurance. And I'm like, is that taking things away from God, knowing that he's the one that I should be trusting in? But I'm being honest, I still have life insurance.
1: And you know, actually, uh, when I read through it, I thought, well, maybe it's talking about um, people who are not faithful in systematic giving to the church, and so they're using that money and investing it in other means, hoping they get rich quick, or especially the ones that, you know, the, the, the own the life insurance company or whatever. And so, yeah, I, I I had some questions myself about it, but let's see what let's see what Ellen White had to say. And then uh, I also sent out uh, a reading for the members of the class. And we'll post that uh, for the um, for those who are on the live stream also that you can take a look at it and uh, you won't uh, be left out of what we're going to talk about after we talk about the chapter. So uh, basically Ellen White. Uh, in her time, counseled against life insurance. And and, and one of the things that, one of the quotes that she says is that God called us to come out from among the world and be separate. And and she said that those who engage in getting life insurance were uniting with the world. And she says that Christ had purchased us by the sacrifice of his life. And so... Uh, we're bought with the price. Therefore, we're supposed to glorify God in our body and our spirit. So she says, here is the only life insurance which heaven sanctions, which is to give our life to Christ. So then she goes on to the next paragraph. She says that life insurance is a worldly policy which leads our brethren who engage in it to depart from the simplicity and purity of the gospel. And she says, every such departure weakens our faith and lessens our spirituality. And then she says, said the angel, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as a people, we are in a special sense, the Lord's and uh, Christ has bought us angels that excel in strength surround us. Not a sparrow falls to the ground without the notice of our heavenly father. And even the hairs of our head are numbered. So she says God has made provision for His people, and He has a special care for them, and they should not distrust His providence by engaging in a policy with the world. So I looks- have a, I
2: have a comment on that, Karen.
1: Go ahead.
2: As you as you know, as you read it and I read it, you know, during the week, I also think in terms of you know how people when people have life insurance, they fight among themselves on who's going to get what. So could that have been taking place back in her days too with the life insurance policy, people got greed and, you know, and fight among themselves on who's going to get this part of the insurance money or whatever. Could that be a part of taking away from God too when there's strife among family members over life insurance? It would
0: be a strife. Regardless of life insurance, if you had anything, property. It could be a car. Uh, and you have several dependents. They would fight over it. So
1: okay. that wouldn't
0: be a reason why. Uh,
1: and interestingly enough, when when insurance companies first popped up, apparently, it wasn't limited. You could get a life insurance policy on anybody. They didn't have to be a close relative or someone with, within which you had an interest in. And so you could you know, take out a life insurance policy on somebody across town and and hope that they die and you get rich from it.
3: You know, you can still do that apparently because a lot of people working in nursing homes were doing that. They take out a policy on one that's seniors in the nursing home. Then mm. when that person passed away, mm. they collect life insurance.
1: Mm. I,
3: don't, I don't see how in the world that's possible, but apparently it is.
1: Well, you know what's interesting about that is that after a certain age it's really difficult to get life insurance on on yourself or anybody. So, that's interesting that you're saying they were doing that in nursing homes cuz a lot of those people probably passed the age of it unless unless they had some inside knowledge that the person was getting ready to die and so they paid that premium for that for that, you know. Cuz it's pretty high the older you get. The premium, the monthly premium, you know, goes up. So,
3: Unless you get one of those guaranteed ones, which, you know, like five thousand dollars to somebody who's broke is a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Especially if
3: they didn't earn it or deserve it. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Well, as far as the insurance company goes, as long as you're paying the premium, it's, it's your policy and you can collect.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess some of them are and other ones require that you have a, a specific relationship to the insured so that, you know, because if you can just insure anybody, then that leads to all kind of vice because you could kill them yourself. to make sure that you, you, you could collect and you don't care because they're not related to you.
4: And people do that, too. hmm.
1: Okay, and uh, she says in the next paragraph, she says, God designs that we should preserve in simplicity and holiness our peculiarity as a people. And she said, those who engage in this worldly policy invest means which belong to God, which he has entrusted to them to use in his cause to advance his work. She said, but few will realize any returns from life insurance. And without God's blessing, even these will prove an injury instead of a benefit. And she says, those whom God has made his stewards have no right to place in the enemy's ranks the means which he has entrusted to them to use in his cause. So what do you think about that? That 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 people were investing money in life insurance and she was calling it investing it in the enemy's ranks. What do you think about that? But well, I may have go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Isn't the intent of life insurance is to leave something behind for your loved ones? Isn't as we go today, yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. And
0: if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than the infidel. So I don't get it.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think, I really think that, you know, and, and based on the article that I sent you guys to read, it really has to do with, um, the companies that were the life insurance companies that were cropping up at the time and they were fly by night, get rich quick kind of companies that it's like, okay, uh, you, do you all remember when the insurance man used to come around every week to collect your money? Anybody mm-hmm. remember? I do. Like, yeah. Yes, they still my do at home. Oh, do they? Uh-huh. And so at that time, they they had those life those companies cropping up. Well, the get rich quick was the owner of the company. And they would go collect people's money. And then when when it was time to pay out, you couldn't find them anywhere. They were nowhere to be found because they had gotten rich quick off of doing that, collecting people's money. And then, you know, when it came time to pay out the policy or find them on the policy, they were nowhere to be found. So I think it has to deal with that. And and the fact that, you know, those people uh, uh, basically were not... They were not thinking in terms of godliness. They were not uh, acting in a business-wise sense in terms of godliness.
3: I think one thing too, <clears throat> you had mentioned, Karen, apparently back before 1906, when this was written, insurance was totally unregulated and basically more than a, no more than a get-rich, quick scheme. Mm-hmm. And we know how those usually turn out. You end mm-hmm. up broken, not rich, quick at all. So Mm -hmm. she's telling people, don't be involved in that type of situation. Get rich Mm -hmm. quick schemes, which even included, you know, gambling. That's a get rich quick scheme. Or they were doing a lot of land speculation back then, too, which was another get rich quick scheme. So it's basically that the principle of not not spending your money or putting your money into foolish and what not even foolish foolish endeavors like that. Because you're just throwing money away.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the, so I can understand that. So the overall principle is relevant because the whole thing about life insurance isn't relevant today because it's different today if you're dealing with a reputable company. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But the
4: principle that she's saying is that using money frivolously that God has given us and could be used in his kingdom that can be said, um, that can stand that we might want to be careful about um how we spend our money. That's the mm-hmm. ultimate message, I think. Right, right, right. And,
1: and I think the first principle is I'm saying this to our stewardship leaders, is to be faithful in returning to the Lord, what is the Lord's.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And then after that, then um, carefully using what he's left to you, the 90% or whatever, I, I, probably less, 85% or less. <laughs> <laughs> that, that he has left to us using it wisely and prudently. One of the things that I thought about, and there's this text in the Bible that says that we should uh, <laughs> leave an inheritance to our children and our children's children. Mm-hmm. And as, uh, as an oppressed race in America, uh, we have not had the same advantages as our, our, our other counterparts, our white counterparts in terms of uh, jobs and education and uh, earning money and being in professions. Uh, we are we are taking up the rear at this point. And so one of the things that has has, has helped us to, do that, which is leaving inheritance to our children and our children's children, is through things like life insurance.
3: Um, One of the things I, I noticed about this reading is that it's important for us to remember context as well as time period that that things are written about.
4: Mm-hmm. So, for
3: example, life insurance wasn't the same then as it is now. Just but, like uh, there are writings against. Uh, how terrible bowling alleys are, that's Mm -hmm. a totally different situation than as it is now. Bowling alleys aren't anywhere close to what they used to be. And then even you can go as far back as uh, what it says about if you sin, bring a turtle dove or sacrifice a lamb, that no longer applies. So sometimes we have to remember the context as well as the time period that some of these letters are written for and look for the principle out of it. Like Lakita's right. saying, look for the principle, not the exact situation.
1: Right, right. Um, so, let's see. We're gonna just kind of take a few more minutes to just go through what she's presented here, and then we're gonna switch to the reading that I sent you for today. Uh, and, and 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 this goes to the principle too. Uh, I think Lakita, uh, this paragraph five fifty point. Let me see. where she's talking about how Satan is constantly presenting inducements to God's chosen people to attract their minds from the solemn work of preparation for the scenes just in the future. That he's in every sense of the word, a deceiver, a skillful charmer, and he closed his plans and snares with coverings of light borrowed from heaven. He tempted Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit by making her believe that she would be greatly advantaged thereby. And Satan leads his agents to introduce various inventions and patent rights and other enterprises. But Sabbath keeping adventists who are in a haste to be rich may fall into temptation, become ensnared and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. So so it goes back to that principle that you were mentioning, Likita. uh get rich quick schemes, you know, and that could come in any form. It doesn't have to be, you know, you open up a life insurance company, which, again, today would be so heavily regulated that that you could not. Get rich, get rich quick uh, in that sense of the word. Um, But um, I think the principle here uh, is, you know, stay away from those get rich quick things and, you know, give things prayerful thought and consideration in terms of what you choose to get involved in and to invest in.
3: And you really have to be careful, like I said in that reading, uh, P.T. Barnum says there's a sucker born every day. You can also say there's a crook born every day, too. So Mm -hmm. people are constantly coming up with schemes and scams to somehow take your money. And one of the easiest ways is to promise people more money and -hmm. you take the money that they have currently because they're looking for this get rich quick scheme to work for them is really when it comes down to it ain't too many times get-rich-quick scheme ever really works, period.
1: Mm. Uh, just as a side note, before we go into the other reading for today, uh, I had somebody contact me because I'm a member of the Better Business Bureau, created a business, and they contacted me and they wanted me to handle uh, a, a transaction for them. And it was purchase of some, it was the, he was selling supposedly some sort of um, equipment to, to, to the children's <laughs> hospital. And um, so I, I, I outlined to him the circumstances under which I consider something like that. Well, he totally disregarded everything that I said. And he had somebody send me a check for like, I think $25,000 and his, his design or his hope was that I would deposit the check, sit, take my fee out of it, send the difference to somebody else And, you know, I explained to him, I'm not going to do that. You get get your money directly from the buyer. You pay me directly and you get your money directly from the buyer. And these are the ways in which you can pay me. And he continued to say, well, you just need to take your money out of that check. And I said, I'm not sending any money to any third parties that I don't know. I don't know you, first of all. (laughs) And I'm not sending any money to any third parties. I'm not depositing any check into any of my accounts. You know, I told you to send the funds in a cashier's check, or you could directly deposit them into you know an account that I have, right? And so then he sends this letter. I'm so disappointed that you didn't didn't want my business. Okay, oh well, you know. Uh, But like Lee said, there's so many different ways that people, and especially with the internet now, and and things that are going on, there's so many different ways that people are defrauding other people. And, you know, you just have to, you just have to seek wisdom from the Lord to stay out of those traps.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, and that shows you how bold people are. He's even going to try and scam a lawyer.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. <laughs> just don't care. Just think he's smarter than everybody.
1: Right, right. And uh, so we have to be what wise as serpents, but harmless as doves, you know, and that's the counsel from the Lord. All right, um, let's go to the reading uh, that I sent to you guys. Uh, Paula, did you get it? Yes. Okay, all right. Okay. I didn't get um, it, so I'll be listening. Oh, okay, okay, Patsy. Uh, I'm not in. Not- to- what?
0: No, I'm sorry. I'm. I, um, when you sent it, I was in the middle of worship and I only got to read the first page, and it's, okay. I, so I didn't get to see it all on my phone.
1: Okay. 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 That's all right. We'll go through it and you can read it later. Patsy, it was sent to you on, on uh, well, I don't know how, I don't know if you can get it, but it was sent, the link was sent to you to click on Patsy. Um, so you may be able to do that and read it later. Okay. I'll just be listening. Okay. So, um, I'm going to go to, and I, this is not paginated. So, um, um, I'm gonna to go to the section that says LNG White and in life insurance, and, and as a summary of what she has said, which was basically, it was the reading for today. Uh, that's how they started it out, the reading for today. Uh, then uh, they summarize it and they say that a careful, okay, I'm sorry, let me start off first by saying that um, this is from the um, NAD and um, their, I think it's their Stewardship Committee and um they start off saying that a careful reading of what ellen white wrote uh, shows five reasons for opposing life insurance number one it it encumbers believers expressly with the world number two it encourages a worldly secular spirit contrary to the simplicity and single-mindedness of christian service number three it diminishes one's sense of god's providence Number four, it represents a denial of true stewardship before God by diverting his funds to risky ventures in hope of gain, which again would be um, either you own the company before before life insurance regulation or you hoped to get rich quick, get rich quick by placing your money against someone else's life. Uh, and number five, it manifests greed comparable to speculation in rights to patents and inventions. Again thinking that you know, if, you, if you get life insurance on a particular person, they're going to die and you're going to reap these, these great gains or great benefits. Um, so she, it says that uh, from an analysis of Ellen White's reasoning, it is clear that she regarded participation in life insurance both as a threat to spiritual experience and as defective because it is a speculative venture. Um but it goes on to say that um this following her initial article in 1867 which is what we read uh for the class today that um let's see she only made occasional references to life insurance after that and i think the last one she made was in 1909 and uh and then it it just kind of su- talks about, uh, and Lee, you mentioned it, uh, insurance practices in the late 19th century, and that this this period of time was a time of rapid expansion in the United States and in technological innovation, and that uh, there was rampant opportunism and speculation virtually unregulated by the government. So the insurance industry was totally unregulated. People did whatever they wanted to do, and these were People were focused on amassing vast personal fortunes, untouched by taxes, untouched by regulation by the government, uh, and just get rich quick. And those were that was the schemes of the day. The order of the day was a get rich quick scheme, and uh, it generally ended in the loss of one's investment. So, and 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 as you stated, Lee, uh, it was well characterized by P P. T. Barnum's quip: "There's a sucker born every minute." And what was that you said behind that, Lee? Oh, there's a, there's a thief born every minute.
3: Yes, a crook born every minute too. (laughs) Right,
1: right, right. And so this was, the insurance industry was fledgling at that time, and uh, it was a spirit steeped in the essence of high risk. And it was undercapitalized insurance stock groups, which promised quick wealth and frequently collapsed without notice, leaving their policies worthless. Company dealings with their customers were often unjust and not infrequently fraudulent in nature. Policies written on the lives of complete strangers were urged upon a public that was encouraged to invest in the hope of profiting from the death of the stranger or the insured that they had insured. And so the abuses of this system led to a public demand for government regulation and beginning in 1906, state and federal regulatory laws were designed to limit fraud and require the insurance industry to follow sound principles. Today's life insurance industry, heavily regulated by law and government agencies, differs in important ways from that of the late 1800s. And Ellen White's counsel against investing in life insurance must be understood against the background and practices of her time if the meaning of her, of her words is to be properly understood. Um, and so, again, as we were saying, the timing of, of, of all of this and, and, and the fact that the insurance companies were unregulated and were oftentimes just, just practicing fraud on people, um, that, um, uh, that was the period in which she wrote, um, this chapter, chapter 96 in Testimonies for the Church. Um, going on, she says, provision for the time of, uh, the article says provision for the time of need, uh, that both the scriptures and the writings of Ellen White elevate to a divine mandate, the Christian responsibility to protect and provide for one's loved ones. In both faith and practice, the Bible assigns primary responsibility for such care upon near relatives. Building on the authority of the fifth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother, the Apostle Paul stresses the importance of this principle in the strongest of terms. And he wrote, but if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents. That is good and acceptable from God. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel, And so it says Jesus reinforced the same principle referring to it as the command of God in Matthew 15, verse six. So uh, the article goes on to say that Ellen White repeatedly stressed the importance of providing for one's future needs and the needs of one's family. And so she talked about, and and it related to her expressly talking about um let's see, setting aside money to use in an emergency and to aid the cause of God. Um, and doing that on a systematic basis, and that's for our st- stewardship leaders. <laughs> Systematically setting aside money every week for your emergency fund in case something came up or whatever. Uh, and then and to leave a margin for if you should be sick or your family should be deprived of means, then. Uh, they would still be sustained because basically you have saved for a rainy day that that's the basic principle there. Um, and let's see anybody have any comments so far? Okay, so she's uh, uh, also in this article and they're still talking about Ellen white in this article that, um, God has placed a duty upon us to deny our tastes and our desires and make provision for the future instead of merely living for the present. Uh, And then it goes on to say that um, throughout her lifetime, Sister White encouraged as Christian duties, such practices as diligence, hard work, exercise of foresight, self-denial and generous benevolence to the Lord's cause and she encouraged the purchase of quality goods and the, and the care of them. And she spoke in favor of home ownership where possible and approved the accumulation of reasonable reserves or that rainy day money for use and necessity. And she conceived of such reserves as available, not only for personal needs, but also for extending the work of God and assisting those outside one's family who experienced need. And she looked favorably upon the acquisition of a modest but comfortable home, for one's retirement and spoke of the self-respect that would follow from having provided for the future. So Ellen White definitely was in favor of and counseled about providing for the future, that rainy day or that, day, that that time when a family would be in need. And certainly the death of wage earners in the family would be a time when the family would be in need. And so it goes on to say that, um, Under today's conditions, the ultimate questions are, do life insurance policies offer a method for meeting emergency needs that is compatible with Christian principles? And could they help meet the crisis raised by the disability or death of the wage earner without weakening one's faith or commitment to trust in God's providence? Could they help meet the divinely given responsibility of protecting the innocent survivors of a tragedy in this hazardous world? Could they help fill the void created by the diminished role of family ties in the modern world as increased individualism and governmental programs displaced the ancient bonds? And so uh, the general conference studied uh, uh, in conjunction with the Ellen White estate, they studied the issue of life insurance and they they issued a 50 page report and it's summarized here. And so I'm gonna just summarize, I'm just gonna read through uh, the points that uh, are here. Uh, And then if anyone. Yeah, before
3: you read that, I was going to say you had pointed out about people living just for Mm today. And it's kind of sad because there's still probably millions of people who are doing just that. They get live from paycheck to paycheck and they don't even think about saving money or trying to keep up a savings account for a rainy day because there are going to be plenty of rainy days. And it's kind of sad sometimes when people. Uh, You know, when we're doing the stewardship programs and we talk about people who use payday loans or who are stuck with credit card bills because they refuse to just try and save a few dollars out of their paycheck, you know, and I've known a lot of people who they live that way. And what they end up doing is they'll go to one of these rental places and buy a washing machine and they'll pay, oh, I only got to pay $20 a week for this washing machine. But they don't calculate that by the time they finish paying it off, it's cost them like $1,200. Mm-hmm. When well, you can buy a washing machine for $500 if mm-hmm. you just saved up the money yourself. So by living for the day only, the rainy day comes and you don't have an umbrella. And it's really sad, too, when you find people whose loved ones pass away and nobody has $5,000 for a funeral. The whole family doesn't have $5,000 So they have to find other ways to get the money or ask the church to do it free or put up a GoFundMe or something. It's too many people just living day to day. We have to learn to think ahead a little bit and plan for the future. And just because you plan for the future doesn't mean you don't think Jesus is coming. Just because you plan for the future doesn't mean you're not trusting in the Lord.
1: Right. Right. And I would say that would be a wise and prudent steward that plans for the future Um, and doesn't doesn't take on perception. Because here's the thing. God helps those who helps themselves. And so uh, if you if you are foolish in your financial planning, a lot of people, a lot of people will spend money on their wants and then have their hand out for their needs. And it really should be they should be spending on their needs first. And then you know the Lord says you know uh, uh, if we um, delight ourselves in Him, <coughs> that He will give us the desires of our hearts. So that's the that I, I, I consider that to be the wants part.
3: <laughs> I think so wants I, is I think wants is Maslow's number one on the hierarchy of whatever that is. Lakita, what is, is it? Knees. Hierarchy of needs. Number one is wants. What yeah. I want takes precedence over a lot of stuff.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, okay, so basically the um, the uh, General Conference and the Ellen White Estate uh, came up with these. Uh, um, it's a summary of their report. Uh, number one, the spirit of prophecy counsels unhesitatingly and definitely teach that the Christian should make provision for a rainy day. We should recognize that a time will come when there will be reduced or terminated income. And looking ahead, we should, if possible, have a reasonable amount of property or money in reserve to meet such needs so that the charities of others are not to be depended upon. Number two, it is proper to have the security of a modest home of our own and conservative financial investments like money in the bank or money invested in the Lord's work or other sound investment. Number three, it is proper to avail ourselves of the the protection offered by fire insurance and automobile insurance. Number four, in whatever provision he makes for the future, the Christian is to be ever mindful of the special and tender watch care of God over his children and not be forgetful of the needs of the cause of God. Uh, Let me just pause right there. Uh, One of the things that um, I think the general counsel advises or I don't remember what I was watching, but in any any event, when you do have life insurance, uh, it's not a bad thing to make provision in your life insurance for the cause of God. So as you're divvying out your percentages to whomever, divvy out a percentage to the Lord and the church of God, God's church. Uh, Number five, the family and the church have a responsibility a responsibility to its members in time of need or bereavement. The Christian should share in his brother's burden so that none will suffer. Number six, and anybody stop me if you want to comment on any of these. Number six, the extent of the provision that should be made for the day of need and how it should be made are to be left with the individual to settle carefully and prayerfully with heart fully surrendered to God and with the determination that in fulfilling these responsibilities, every move, will be made in harmony with God's will. Number seven, the spirit of prophecy councils on life insurance made in the 1860s were given at a time when life insurance was uncontrolled and often handled by fly-by-night concerns as a gambling proposition in a get-rich-quick scheme. Number eight, although the spirit of prophecy councils in the years between 1867 and 1909 continued to be consistent in discouraging life insurance, it should be recognized that in the United States, such insurance did not come under the control of state banking laws until 1906 and onward. Even as late as 1910, some companies were still involved in questionable and often dishonest practices. However, there are no statements made by Ellen White on life insurance after 1909. Number nine, various savings and insurance plans, which are totally I'm sorry, which are today termed life insurance, are protected by carefully enacted state laws and subject to close inspection of state authorities are generally considered to be a safe investment and sounder than many other investments. So today, as they examined life insurance policies, they considered them because of the regulation, the heavy regulation on them to be one of the safest investments, safest and soundest investments. that that you could make at this time. Number 10, in most so-called life insurance plans as they are written today, the principle of putting something aside for the day of need and of sharing one another's burdens is actually carried out. The circle reaches out beyond the family or the church to include quite a large number of persons, thus equalizing the burden and minimizing the expense. So in other words, you pay an insurance premium uh, into a plan or whatever. Well, the insurance company is going to pay out to those who are uh, members of that plan. And so you're sharing the burden uh, of that because of what you put in, someone else gets to, to, to reap a benefit and you're sharing burden. Uh, number 11, healthcare insurance is simply another plan for equalizing what may be an unusual and heavy expense. In this case also, a large number of persons share the burdens of one another. Again, you are paying a health insurance premium every month. And other people draw on it sometimes. Sometimes you draw on it. So you're sharing back and forth that burden by the premium that you pay every month. Number 12, burial, burial insurance provides a means whereby the expense now connected with death is provided for in a certain insured manner through advanced payments over a period of years. Number 13, burial societies in which a large number of persons participate, either by specified dues or by assessments at the time of the death of a member, are a means of systematically spreading the expense in such a way that we, again, bear one another's burdens. Through well-organized plans, we make proper provision for for an expense which must be met. Number 14, social security is recognized by the church as a plan whereby employer and wage earner unite in systematically placing in reserve that which will be available in time of need, either at retirement or at death. Number 15, these various plans virtually accomplished for the lay member wage earner, what the denominational retirement plan called into being through the spirit of prophecy, has for many years provided for ministers and other employees of the church. This is a plan by which a regular percentage of the payroll of the various employing organizations is accumulated in one central fund, which is to be dispersed in monthly payments to retired or incapacitated laborers or their widows and in case of need to meet unusual medical and burial expenses. Number 16, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, although it does not officially encourage or discourage its members in the matter of any insurance of any type, has by actions of the general conference committee and annual council formally placed its approval on social security and survivor's benefit plans, which is life insurance. Number 17, in the choice of the method employed in providing a capital of means to use in an emergency, Whatever that method shall be, care should be taken to seek and follow the counsel of those of experience who can be depended upon to give safe guidance. So in other words, when you're making choices, you know, um, seek someone who, who knows. If you, if you don't know, seek someone who knows. Uh, number 18, whatever provision the wage earner makes in preparation for the day of financial adversity or lessened income, he must guard carefully against a course of action which will lead to a love of money or the creation with his own hands of something in which he places his trust, thus impairing that close connection with his creator and redeemer. Let me put a pause there. Um, So this whole thing is dealing with financial planning for the future, planning for a rainy day, planning for the taking care of yourself and or your family uh, after retirement or after the death of a wage earner or death of someone in the family. And so, um, Financial planning is differing from, or or there's a dividing line between the financial planning that it's talking about here and get rich quick get rich quick schemes that you're just sinking money into because you love money. You just want to make more money. So there's definite line drawn here between between those two types of, 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 of ventures. Um number 19, the Lord through the spirit of prophecy counsels. Has given an abundance of instruction and guidance relating to our responsibility for financial stewardship, making clear, number one, our obligation to God, which is first, then our obligation to our family, then our obligation to our fellow church members and those about us. And these counsels should be carefully studied, restudied, and adhered to so that we may lay up treasures in heaven, lest Satan lure us into soul destroying entanglements. So um, those are the counsels that are given by. The general counsel and the Ellen White estate now based on uh, the heavy, heavy regulation of life insurance companies at this point. Uh, and then it goes on to say what they actually voted. They voted to urge all believers, especially those who have financial responsibility for families to make a thoughtful plan provision for meeting unforeseen emergencies that affect themselves and their families. Number two, to regard those forms of life insurance which offer no conflict with Christian principles as legitimate means of making provision for times of need. Number three, to consider that decisions regarding the degree to which insurance policies are used to contribute to family financial planning are a matter of personal conscience and that the church should take no official position in that respect. So in other words, the church is not going to tell you you should or you shouldn't, that that should be something that should be done Uh, prayerfully, and thoughtfully. Uh, Number four, to counsel that the act of providing for future needs grants no license for the exercise of greed. Number five, to advise those who endeavor to make provision for the future to exercise care lest selfish motives become a part of their planning. So in other words, again, carefully and prayerfully determine, you know, as you're making financial plans for the future versus get-rich-quick schemes, or you just want to get rich and increase your bank account. Um, Let's see. Number six, to educate church members through the stewardship ministry stewardship leaders regarding sound principles of family financial planning. (laughs) Number seven, to take no steps as a church toward establishing or promoting any form of general life insurance for its members. So basically... The church, the church should not be involved. Church should not be telling you you can't get life insurance. Uh, but that is a, a again a consideration that you make prayerfully and carefully. Um, so any comments?
4: Well, this taught me one thing too, is that sometimes we read something in Sister White's writings and then we kind of Think oh okay I should do that but this taught us that we need to do a little bit more digging and researching for the answers and stuff. Also mm-hmm. that our jobs as stewardship leads have just gotten bigger. Yes, they have. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay because you know I do think we need to be everybody need to be um, in order to get Black people into a better place in life and not bring up the behind. You know, as Karen had mentioned earlier, which we tend to be doing, um, we have to educate each one, teach one. So we teach in our homes. We have to, you know, we learn it at church, take it home and um, talk about it and present this idea to your family members and stuff. And then asking God, how can we, what we need to do to do better so that we can raise raise up our family, um, our, our, our community and stuff
1: mm-hmm, yeah, I, I I think you're right on that. Um, any other comments? Okay, Lee, where are we next week? Let's see. We are We're
3: in the book Christian Service and we're still in literally chapter one but the sub chapter is channels of light and blessing and uh, on, we, okay
1: go ahead. one
3: paragraph 20.1 oh okay starts out when in the midst of his blind error and prejudice
1: okay so channels channels light and blessing sub subparag- uh, paragraph what
3: 20.1 okay And it starts out when in the midst of his blind error and prejudice.
4: Okay. Okay.
1: And that's gonna be for May 28th. Okay. All right. That being said, Lakita, can I ask you to close us out with prayer?
4: Uh, Yes. Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we are so grateful that you've given us, first of all, the Sabbath day, Lord, your son, um, who has given his life for us so that we may have a right to the tree of life and eternal life with you, Lord. Your Father, we ask that you will help us to take these um, pearls of wisdom into our hearts, dear Lord, show us how to use our money more more wisely and how to spend our money, Lord, so that we will... um, be fair in every situation with you, with our family, with our friends, with our church members. Lord, we ask that you will help us to um, do the very best with our time, talent, temple, and treasure, so that we will have the money to uh, put aside for our um, for a rainy day or for emergencies. Today. So we just praise your name for the light that you've given us. We thank you so much for Karen doing the extra research that we may walk away with a full and complete understanding of this subject matter and we just praise you and thank you so much and we ask this week that we would put the information that you give us into action um even if lord we just act out in faith and put ten dollars away for our emergency fund helps to do what it takes lord so that we will um be rightly represented by you and that we will be on the end of giving and not on the end of needing to receive according to your will and graciousness and your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Take us off live.